This time on Archery in Depth, we have Chuck Cooley back. He's back chatting with us about glasses, contacts, and vision when we are archering. Yeah, Chuck's back, and if you didn't know, Chuck Cooley, by profession, um, makes glasses. He is an optician, and he does all sorts of stuff with the eye. We're going to go in-depth about how we use glasses and the special kinds of glasses that you can get just for archery and how to improve your game with it. We talk about all sorts of stuff as usual. We go real depth into, into this subject, other subjects, lenses, all sorts of good stuff. It is a great conversation with a great guy. You're going to enjoy it. If you have vision problems and you want to learn more about how can I make it better or how can I just archery better with glasses, with contacts, all these other lenses that all play a part into it, we're going to answer those questions and we're going to tell you how you might be able to get your very own specialty archery glasses uh, from Chuck. So exciting podcast. We had a lot of fun as usual. Enjoyed him as a guest. I hope you guys love it. Check it out, man. Let's go. Archery in depth. I'm your host, Marty Judnick. Hey, did you know... We are on Instagram and Facebook. Go check us out and give us a like if you could. I'd appreciate it. Thanks, man. I'm your host, Marty Judnick. Let's go. Chuck Cooley back again. Here we go. How's it going, Chuck? Hey, it's going great, man. I really appreciate it. Must be uh, must be I didn't louse it up too bad. I got I got call for round two, so uh, must be somebody wants to know something. We just can't get enough of you, Chuck. I think that's what it is. Or uh, I maybe do I, I have to send another check, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you keep them coming. It's fine. It's no big deal. Keep them coming. We'll just we'll just do more podcasts. Right? There you go. There you go, man. <laughs> well, for the few that maybe don't know everything about you, Chuck, you know most people recognize you in our tree from lenses, but there's more about you. Your normal day job, all all that good stuff, being an optician, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been an optician for about 30, almost 35 years now. So I, I make eyeglasses. Uh, that's, that's my day hustle, which, which is what led me into making lenses for the archery scope market. But yeah, um, my, my day hustle is, is I'm an optician. I own my own practice in Ithaca, New York. One of the key things I do with that is, a lot of work in the shooting sports industry, whether it be uh, long guns or pistols, guys that shoot, you know, target pistol, the really super fancy Olympic ones, or the guys that are doing PRS, which is the ultra long range rifle stuff. Um, but obviously I specialize in, in making archery glasses. In fact, I just had a guy, uh, I had a guy in the store, um, on Thursday, he drove all the way up from New Jersey, uh, five-hour trip, one way, spent the night in a hotel, uh, did an exam, uh, made some new glasses for him, and then I took him up to my private range, and we shot for a little while, and I had a, had a beer afterwards, and then he headed home. So <laughs> I, get, I get people that come from all over the country to see me or, or mail me their glasses, that kind of stuff. So the, the opticianry thing is is really where my specialty lies and, and trying to figure out and help people see better in archery, you know, yeah. competitively. And being an optician is what actually brought you into archery, right? That's how you started getting into the lens yep. business and all that. You were, you're just doing that. And then all of a sudden archery jumped into your life, right? Yeah. Um, it was late. Um, I, uh, I'd been in the, in the optics game about 10 years and, 
I had a customer one day, one of my regulars, and he's like, you know, hey, can you make me a little bitty lens for my archery scope? And I thought he was joking. I had never, I had never seen anything like that. And uh, yeah, he brought it in, and I was like, yeah, I definitely can make something better than that. And that launched, uh, it literally launched a whole industry. There was, before I started doing that, there was no such thing as the aftermarket lens business. Um, so I, I pioneered the aftermarket lens business and launched a company, uh, Feather Vision, which I ran from 98 to 2015. And then we sold that to AAE. So my dad could retire and, and I was going to get out of the lens business. And then I got approached by a couple other guys who asked if I would be willing to help them design a new lens. And then we launched uh, their new company called X-Focus 365. And uh, we, we designed a, a different type of lens, uh, a more advanced lens, a more precise lens. And that thing has, wow. That that has just gone off every chart of imaginable success that you can draw up. It's it's been it's been amazing. You know that that company's a couple of years old and and it's doing phenomenal. Getting exciting for you. Yeah, it's a really fun time. It's a it's I, I'm I'm enjoying it more this time because I'm not an owner, so I can just. <laughs> I can just consult with people, you know, I can tell, Hey, you know, this is what, this is what you should do, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I, and I don't have to wear every single hat in, in the chain. You know, I, I do the sales and the consulting stuff. And then, you know, we hired a, a team of people to do the manufacturing and the shipping and all that other kind of stuff and, and make sure stuff gets out the door every day and, it's it's really awesome. I can just go, wait, hold on. There's somebody else in charge. Love it. Luxurious, yeah. really. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gift. You know, they, somebody told me once upon a time, you know, if you, if you really want to make some decent money but not work really hard, just be a consultant. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'll, I can do that. Yeah. A lot of pressure with ownership. Consulting way better. Yeah, because they either follow you or they don't, and either way, the check clears. There you go. There you go. Well, the lenses are amazing, but tonight we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, before we even get to lens, and that is the the human lens in our heads, our eyes. Our eyes. And, those those are fancy, aren't they? Well, they're pretty good. They, they don't last forever, which is a problem. And uh, they tend to get worse over time, so that sucks. They do. <laughs> but yeah. that's where you come in because you can help us, right? That's where guys like me get really popular. <laughs> Other than, you know, everybody's familiar with glasses and contacts and stuff like that. But when you mm -hmm. think about it, there's really a lot of conditions out there that affect archers like, gosh, there's a laundry list. There's There's diabetes. There's stigmatisms. There's... Good old-fashioned eyesight getting worse. There's, you know, diseases and stuff like that. Can you tell us what are some options out there for folks that have various, just to start with, vision conditions that may be sort of lost or frustrated and saying, you know, I, I can't shoot archery because I have whatever condition? Sure. There's a, there's a lot that goes into that pot. So 
you know, historically, if you're a young, healthy person, you have young, healthy eyes with no correction, you know, setting up a scope and setting up a set of pin sights and going hunting or going to shoot targets is pretty easy, right? Like you can look down range and you can see what you're looking at. You put the pin in the middle and you punch the trigger, right? And, and, and it works. Right. And everybody has fun doing that. So the complications come when you're either nearsighted or farsighted. So nearsighted means naturally uncorrected. You have a, an easier time seeing up close, which is most of the population. Right. And then if you're farsighted, um, it's a little more complicated to set up a scope um, but those are people who see a little bit better farther away than they do up close. Um, and then once you get enough birthdays, then presbyopia is a thing. Um, and that's where you can't see super good far away and you can't see up close, which <laughs> brings, so, it's, you know, it's like, well, how do you feel about fishing? You know, yeah. so, yeah. um, and then the the things that go along with that is you know like you said what what is the correction what where where is it is it just a simple i can't see far away or is there astigmatism now astigmatism is the easiest way to describe astigmatism is if you imagine the eye like a beach ball right it's perfectly uh, a healthy, normal, perfect eye is nice and round in every meridian or in, in every direction. It has the same curve, like a, a beach ball or a basketball or something like that. Right. Astigmatism means your cornea, the surface of it kind of looks like a football. Mm -hmm. It's it has an elongated, flatter curve in one direction and a really steep curve in another direction. And when you have that, you get two focal points. The longer curve, the longer flatter curve has a longer focal distance and the steeper curve has a shorter focal distance. So we can fix that with glasses, we can fix that with contacts. And what it does is it, it marries those two focal points together so that you have a crisp image, right? Um, those prescriptions are a little harder to deal with because you've got more, more things to, to adjust for. And then when you get into the physical health of the eye, diabetes, glaucoma, cataracts, um, all sorts of, there's a, there's a myriad of, of drugs, uh, legal, um, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, uh, affect the eyes like if you get a if you get a really bad infection and they throw you on a bunch of steroids to kill the infection well that that hammers the eyes it's really hard on the eyes right the eyes are a super super sensitive organ um and then there's other simple things like rapid weight gain or rapid weight loss um are you hydrated properly you know if you're if you start to get dehydrated um, your vision will change over the course of a weekend. Let's say you go to uh, an ASA or the Arizona Cup or a feed shoot or something like that, and it's just hot as hell. 
and you're not drinking enough water, um, your vision will change from the morning to the afternoon because your body's dehydrated and your eyes, your eyes can't keep up with that. Right. Um, so hydration is really important. And then, oh my gosh, do we have allergies to deal with? Do we have dry eye now? And dry eye is kind of a misnomer, right? It's the, the body thinks the eye is too dry. So it produces extra tears. And the problem there is the tear layer acts like a refractive agent. It, mm-hmm. it bends light. So when you have extra tears, it changes your prescription, right? It bends the light in a funny way. So, and I know I'm throwing a lot at you super fast and I apologize for that. I'm trying to slow down. No, it's great. Um, Cause there's a lot of stuff but, out there. Yeah. So there's a, there's a ton of crap that, that archers and especially Americans um, because we're a healthy bunch. Um, <laughs> um that there's a, there's a ton of crap that affects the eyes. You know, am I shooting indoors? Am I shooting outdoors? Uh, is it windy? Am I wearing contacts? So how do, how we have to figure out how do we manage that? And historically, and I, I'm going to say like the last 20, 30 years, kind of a time frame, um, as a historical reference, um, we've just accepted it as, this is this is what I got, mm-hmm. and I use I, I wear my glasses and I shoot my bow. Um, and it's the same glasses that you wear to the office, to the movies, to you know around the house. But but it really shouldn't be right. Like you have special clothing for archery. Yet I, I guarantee most of the people that are listening will put on something as simple as a different pair of shoes before they go shoot their bow. Don't forget about lucky socks. So, Got to have lucky socks. And yeah, well, you know the lucky socks are. We don't. We don't talk about the lucky socks. <laughs> the first rule of lucky socks is you don't talk about lucky socks. So, so yeah, you know you you have special apparel. Yeah. So why why wouldn't you look? I'm going to fly across the country. I'm going to spend a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars this weekend to go shoot my bow. Why wouldn't I have specialized eyeglasses for somewhere between two and 500 bucks to go make myself better? Mm-hmm. Right. It seems like such a silly thing. And, and people are like, when you explain it to them, they're like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I spent $2,000 on the bow. I spent, you know, $300 on arrows. I got a $250 custom string, but I can't see the broad side of the barn. Uh, but I'm going to jump on a plane and go to Alabama this weekend and see if I can see a 12 ring at 50 yards. Um, yeah, bro, you're you stay home. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're just, it's going to be fun, but you're going to not be happy. So yep. this episode of archery in depth is brought to you by X focus 365, the U S maker of premium archery lenses. Are you ready to take your archery game to the next level? Are you tired of seeing fuzz and maybe not the most clear picture when you're when you're shooting? They've fixed it. Various lenses for various price points. If you're not sure exactly where to go, you want to start out somewhere, you can certainly start with like a poly lens, check out something like that and make sure you find the right magnification and an area you're looking at in size. Or if you've decided, you know what, I want the best lens money can buy. I want to see the clearest thing I possibly can. Go check out the doublet lens. It's amazing. The technology is great in that thing. 
crystal clear exactly what your money is worth. So go check them out, xfocus365.com. Also find them at Lancaster or arcuswork.com. So, you know, that's the approach that I take. How can we specialize this to give you the best chances at success? Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I know I wear glasses and contacts, but I normally just wear contacts. But whenever I have worn glasses for archery, I noticed when you have a thicker frame that due to the angle of, you know, your eye looking over your nose down at the target, oftentimes the frame gets in the way. Is that something that you deal with when you're making a special pair of uh, glasses? hundred percent, hundred percent. So the, the trick there is to find something uh, that fits very close to the bridge of the nose, has very minimal nose pads, um, or no frame at all. So if you don't go down the path of a custom pair of shooting glasses like Decot or Ranger um, or even Pila, um, if you don't go down those roads, then my absolute favorite frame to pick is a frame by a company called Silhouette. And they're, they're either very, very thin metals. And if you're like, if you're familiar with George Riles, that's what he wears. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, uh, uh, another kid from Lancaster archery that came up and, uh, I made him a pair of silhouettes. Um, so they're my favorite frame to work with if you're not doing custom shooting glasses uh, because they have either no frame at all or very, very, very thin wire, um, like less than a millimeter thick. So it's, it's out of the way. It, it's completely out of the line of sight. And they work extremely well, and, and they're very, very durable. They're a, they're a handmade Austrian titanium frame line. They're not inexpensive. They range... <laughs> four to 500 bucks just for the frame. Wow. Um, and then you're going to have anywhere from 200 to 300 bucks in your lenses. So it's, it's not an inexpensive route, but it's, it's the way to go if you can afford it. Sure. Walk us through, let's say a guy wants to get a custom pair of shooting glasses just for archery. What's sort of the checklist or the the, the thing you walk somebody down to say, okay, this is the stuff we're looking for. And this is kind of the style we're going to design for you. So first things first, I'm going to want to look at the prescription, right? So let's, let's look at the numbers. Are you, are you farsighted? Are you nearsighted? Do you need a bifocal? Right. Um, and then, um, cause that helps me determine what kind of a frame shape um, whether we're, whether I can get away with a little bit larger frame, because if it's a weaker correction, I can get away with a little bit larger lens. So there's a little more real estate for the archer to work in, right? There's just, there's just a bigger lens there and it's a little more comfortable. Sure. If it's a, if it's a super strong lens, then we really have to focus on keeping it as, as small as we can, but not so small that it becomes limiting. Right. So First things first, we look at the numbers. Um, and then it's, okay, what kind of shooting are you doing? Are you, are you a weekend warrior or are you an elite archer? Um, have you had any lessons? What's your, ideally, I've got the person in front of me and I can look at their stance. I can look at their anchor. Are they 
touching the string to the center of the nose? Are they touching the string to the side of the nose? Are they a little bit more open stanced? Can I coach them into an open stance? Um, because the when we when we look at stance, right, a, a very neutral stance, your feet are more or less side by side. They're in the same plane and they're directly under your shoulders and they're directly in line with the target, right? Very neutral stance. And an open stance for a right-handed archer, that left foot is um, not in line with the right foot. It's it's like the ball of your the ball of your feet is is kind of in line with the arch of your feet. So the left foot, if you're standing there or if you're looking at your feet, the left the ball of your left foot would fit in the in the arch of your right foot. And then if you just step out a little bit to the left, that's that's a little bit of an open stance. And what that gives me is a little bit of hip rotation. And that gives me a little bit of an upper body rotation. And now the head isn't cranked really hard over the left shoulder. Mm -hmm. You follow what I'm saying there? Yeah. So the the harder you crank that head, um, it, it's a little more uncomfortable. So <clears throat> if I open that stance, then you don't have to really crank that head over quite as hard. And now I can get you to put that string on like the left edge of your nose, not way back up against your nostril, but just on the left side of your nose, or I'm sorry, the right, right. side mm -hmm. of your nose. Um, and that's going to give you a little bit more room in the bridge and in the lens of the frame that you're wearing. Right. So these are some of the cheats that you can use to make different frames work. Yeah, you're getting your face a little bit more parallel with the target, right? Yeah, without having to really crank your body around in an uncomfortable or an unnatural fashion. Mm -hmm. So so those are some of the cheats that I'll look at, um, you know, and, and how does it fit? How does it look? How does it feel? Kind of a thing. And then we go into frame fit, right? Um, I like to keep the lens right up against the for a right-handed shooter right up against the right side of the nose so that they've got no air gap between the lens and the, and the nose there and that gives them as much field of view as possible um and that's that's the basics of it um everything from there is you know how does it feel over the years you know how does it do you, you know is it riding into your cheek is you know when you if uh, like if you're a marlow and you, you have a really really high anchor and it comes way up into your cheek is that getting in the way you know those kinds of things or do you have a really really low anchor and i've got tons of room to work there you know it it all depends on the style of you know are they using a wrist strap release or are they using a handheld trigger or a hinge or something like that because the wrist strap, you know, now you've got that, you got your whole fist up there. So, you know, a couple of the things I'm looking for there is ventilation, really, literally ventilation. I want air to be able to move behind the lens. If the whole thing fits too close to the face, it'll fog up every single time you shoot. Mm -hmm. So if I can keep just a little tiny air gap there, um, 
that allows the heat from your cheek and the heat from your hand to to rise and to ventilate behind the lens and it doesn't fog quite as fast. It'll give you a couple of more seconds of holding time before you can't see. And then, you know, when we run into fogging issues, uh, you know, hey, turn your hat around, right? Because the the bill of your hat acts like a roof and it traps the heat. So turn your hat, turn your head around. Mm -hmm. Now all the heat, I mean, simple stuff, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. So, you know, those are, those are, a lot of the the things that for me kind of are second nature and, and come into a thought process. But if you go to your local doctor, do they, 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 if they don't shoot, they don't have a clue. And that's, that's not a negative thing. They just, they just don't realize it. They just, they just don't understand the, the complexity of what we're trying to do. So, and, at, and as archers, um, we typically have a little higher demand on our vision, right? So if you're an office worker, if you're a, if you're a cubicle, you know, worker, look, I got, I got to see my computer. I got to see Susie at the water cooler. I got to be able to talk to my boss because he's asking for the TPS reports again. And, <laughs> and I, I can't find my red stapler and all that other <laughs> crap. Right. So, so the visual requirement, Ah, if it's off, do you notice? Yeah, you probably don't notice, right? Sure. But as but as archers, man, we're we're constantly looking for detail, and you know, as hunters, we're looking for the flip of an ear in a bush, seventy five or a hundred or two hundred yards away, right? So we just we ask for more. So our, our tolerance level of things that aren't quite right isn't very good. We, we tend to be demanding. So how, how we, we address that. And so how does that play? We talked a little bit in the lens episode, episode number two, of we're, we're stacking lenses on lenses when we have a magnifying lens, that we have a clarifier. Now we're throwing glasses into that. How, how is that interplaying from the optician's point of view? Like, we have so many lenses. How does that work out sort of mathematically, I guess, when you're trying to make it all work together? Mathematically, it's no big deal, right? So the assumption that is made by the optician or that should be made by the optician, the assumption that should be made is that the patient is corrected to 2020, which is the industry standard, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, and, and what that means is uh, an uncorrected person with perfect vision can see an object at 20 feet and a corrected person can see that same object with the same acuity also at 20 feet. So 20, 20, 20 being normal, 20 being corrected. If you're 20, 40, then uh, a, a normal person would be able to stand at 40 feet, whereas you would have to be at 20 feet to see that. Right. So that's the degradation. Mm -hmm. So and then 2010 is a lot of people will say they're 2010 or they're 2015 and they might be, but it's not common. <laughs> um, but doctors will tell them that. Sure. Oh, yeah, man, I got you down to 20. You picked off a couple letters on the 2015 line. Boom. OK, cool. Boom. I'm good. I'm 2015. <laughs> yeah, dude, you have to be an astronaut legit. To, you got to be 2010. Right like 
So it's, it's there, but it's rare, but we're not trying for it. And if your doctor overcorrects you, like if the doctor gets you to 2020 and says, you know what, I think I can get that a little better. Don't, don't, no, dude, 2020 is good. Let me just, let me run with that. I don't want to put any strain on the visual system. I want the visual system from the eyeballs back. I want it to be super relaxed. I don't want it to work hard. I don't want it to strain. I don't want it to stress. I want it to be super chill, right? Like you're yeah. sitting in the hot tub, chill. <laughs> Your eyes are happy. How'd right? you know I was in the hot so, tub? Well, I could hear the bubble. <laughs> Maybe it was the squeaky duck. I'm not sure. Um, a damn duck. <laughs> a damn duck. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, you make the assumption, you go, okay, well, this patient is 20-20. So now we look at the system, right? So we've got three pieces of glass here or three pieces of optical material. So you go and spend $500 on a pair of shooting glasses, but they make it in a polycarbonate lens. Well, a polycarbonate lens is freaking trash optically. It is the worst optical material to be making glasses from on the planet. It has the worst visual acuity as the worst ab rating, the most distortion, everything. It sucks, right? So it's cheap. It's inexpensive. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, did the guy put a polycarbonate lens in his scope and then go buy a really good clarifier from either specialty or Hamsky? Mm -hmm. um, so he spent a ton of money on a really good clarifier, but he's got a he's got a second rate front glass and a second rate eyeglass. It's a muddy system, right? Like, like two of the three filters are not performing. Mm -hmm. So the expectation is this is going to be great. No, man, this still sucks. Yep, yep, it does. Yep. So, so where can we improve that? Well, you upgrade your scope lens, and then you're like, oh shit, that's way better. Oops, sorry, I swore. Um, you say you're like, oh, that's that's way better, right? Um. So, but they often match, is what you're saying. You got nice glasses, you got to have a nice lens, you got a nice clarifier. And if you're cheaping out on any of them, you're not doing a service to the other good stuff. Right. You're killing yourself. You went and spent all this money to get all these things done. And then somebody shortcutted the system there. And then you wonder why the performance isn't there. And that's because, you know, hey, I went and bought a you know, $25,000 trap gun. And then I went to Kmart and bought the cheapest six base loads I could get. <laughs> um, so yeah, is that going to work? Uh, maybe not. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the same with archery. Um, every single aspect of the system has to be as good as you can, as good as you can reasonably afford it to get the performance out of it you want. And if you cut a corner anywhere, you're going to see a shortcoming and then you have to decide if that's something that you can live with. Right. Is, is that suitable? Yeah. And the stronger that correction gets, the more apparent that is the stronger the scope gets, the more apparent that is, or the higher your level of competition, the more apparent that gets. Right. If I'm a, if I'm shooting bow hunter, and my max target is 30, 35 yards, I, I'm, I'm probably fine, right? If I'm shooting 
open or I'm, I'm shooting known pro in the ASA where to make the cut, it's 56 up. It's you're probably not giving yourself the best opportunity there to be successful. So, you know, it's, it's, it's where do you want to land them in the pile? So, so first, you know, look, address the scope, address the clarifier if you're using one. And then in the eyeglass lenses, there's, there's two materials that I like a lot. One is a simple CR39 or optical plastic. It's literally what it was invented for. It's a resin-based material. It has really, really good optics, very, very close to glass. Um, and it performs really well, really well. You get great clarity and great acuity out of it. Um, the other material is something called Trivex, which is better than plastic. Um, it's a newer material, so options are limited on what you can, what what kinds of lenses you can get it in. Um, but it's it is phenomenal. It it is the closest thing to glass on the planet. It's very scratch resistant, has really killer optics. Um, it's really stable, and and you can see really well through it. So when I make shooting glasses, I use one of those two materials okay. almost exclusively nice. um, just, just to get the best performance. Now, if you're a bifocal wearer, the last thing in the world you want to show up to to shoot your bow with is a set of progressive lenses or no-line bifocals. They, they are hard as hell to shoot in. And the reason, the, the reason why is a progressive lens, all the optics in a progressive lens, if you were to look at them, kind of look like an hourglass. Mm -hmm. So the, the upper portion of the lens is kind of wide and has a fairly good lateral movement, right? You can, when you're driving down the road and you sort of glance off to the side, you can see pretty well. As the eye moves down in the lens, because the lens is based on a vertical design, as your eye moves down into the lens, there's a channel there, right? It actually chokes down into a channel. And now you can see your dashboard. But if you move your eye a millimeter or two in any direction, it's out of focus. And then as you get to the bottom of the lens, it kind of starts to open back up a little bit. And that's your reading area. So it looks like this exaggerated hourglass well if we're in the shooting position right so these work great at your desk they work great when you go to the movies to the restaurant grocery shopping theater whatever they work they're fine they're like an all-purpose radial right they do a lot of things pretty good they don't do anything great when you're in the shooting position your eye is slammed all the way over into the edge of that lens, right. which is the worst part of the optics possible in that lens. So if your head, if your anchor point is off by a millimeter or two in, in the vertical or horizontal plane, it looks different every single time you draw your bow. And none of them are clear. So imagine how precise you have to be 
to come to the same anchor point every single time. I mean, the best archers in the world aren't that consistent with their anchor point. They're really good, but they're not one millimeter consistent. Yeah. And, and so trying to shoot through a pair of progressives, oh my God, dude, I'd be in a clock tower in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) It it would, would not be good. So I use either my, my favorite is to use something called a round seg, S-E-G, round seg, um, which stands for segment. Um, and it's, it's a lens that was invented, you know, 150 years ago. It, it, the, the bifocal is about the size of a dime and it's way down in the bottom mm-hmm. and, and it, it allows you to read a scorecard, it allows you to set a site, um, it allows you to sign your name, but the top of the lens is all distance correction. And it's really crystal clear edge to edge, really easy to use. And I can set those up so that an archer can see really, really well. The other option, if you can't get it in a round segment, is... Uh, is a flat top or, or the, the line style bifocals that will work as well. Um, I don't like them as much because there's a shelf, there's a, there's a, there's a notch there at the top of the bifocal and you can, um, you can get reflection off of it. So to me, it's just, it's just distracting. Yeah. Um, the round one is almost, it's virtually invisible. Um, it's really, really hard to see, but, and I do them, I do them all the time. They're, they're not as common. Your optician will be like, no, I don't think we can get those. Yeah. Yeah. You totally can. You just have to ask for it. Nice. Um, but you know, stay away from the polycarbonate material in the eyeglasses as well. Cause it's just, just stick with the plastic or the Trivex. While we're on the subject of listening to people talk about eye problems, how to fix them, all that good stuff. I'm going to insert a little clip of Tim Gillingham here from his interview and talk about his journey that he had with his eyes, what he did about it. He went a little different route rather than corrective lenses and glasses. He actually went to um, a surgery to, to fix his eyes. So let's listen to what Tim Gillingham says about it and check it out for a little different perspective. Check it out. All right. So now I want to talk to you about the one thing we discussed a little bit earlier, and that is as eyes get older and worse... Um, how it affects archery, and if you can tell us a little bit more about your journey with your lens uh, replacement surgery. Yeah, okay. So, uh, you know, I just had a guy call me today. Everybody gets frustrated when they get about 45 to 50, and they start to see it going south. And I remember when I was like 42, 43, I was like, that ain't going to happen to me. And everybody's like, dude, you cannot believe how fast. And I'm thinking, oh, these guys are just making excuses up because, you know, they're not as good as they used to be. And so <laughs> let me tell you what, man, it hits you, hit me about 45. By the time I got to 50, I thought I was blind. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I just got to the point where, you know, I couldn't do what I used to do. You know, I, I couldn't, you know, of course, we all start not being able to see stuff up close, kind of, you know, use a pair of glasses to to read or set our sights or or what have you. And, you know, there's, you, you just kind of deal with it for a while. And then finally it just gets so bad that, you know, I can't see anything in low light. I'm sitting here in a tree stand. I'm looking a hundred yards out through the woods and I can't, I realize that I really can't see anything. And 
you know, I wear glasses, then I can see. So, you know, I got to the point where I was shooting using glasses to judge yardage for 3D, and then I would take those glasses off and put another pair on to set my sight, and then I'd have to shoot the target, you know, with none at all. Mm-hmm. And then you just try to use the clarifier system in my scope to to be able to see. But then it got to the point where now my little focuser in my eye isn't working good enough, and I can't see the the aiming dot too. And I think all archers deal with that as they get older. Um, you know, if you're younger, I would, I would really tell you to look at, um, eye exercises. Uh, George Dixon told me he'd been doing eye exercises his whole life and he just, his vision is still immaculate, you know, and that just exercises those uh, muscles in your eyes. So if you really want to stave this off, you know, you, you should get yourself in a, you know, a regimen of, uh, of eye exercises. I actually went to an eye, uh, therapist for a while and it just got pretty expensive you know and i realized i'm not a do as i say not as i do kind of guy <laughs> i'm not the most regimented person in the world and uh i'll do well with discipline i guess <laughs> and you um, want to but, stave this off right it is not a fun thing to start losing your yeah, eyesight yeah and so i mean i i think exercises where you know you can look around online and, and probably find that, or maybe just take a visit to an eye therapist and, and have them show you some of these exercises, you know, that you can do with your eyes to, to kind of, you, what you're doing is you exercise those muscles in your eye. That, that, that when you're younger, those things really quick focus and it allows you to see lots of different things. And so I just, there's a couple guys that, you know, that I shot, that shot on my staff for years and, um, they got this eye surgery and it was a, what they call a total lens replacement. It's basically cataract surgery, but they call it total lens replacement because it doesn't qualify for insurance until you have cataracts. Right. Mm-hmm. And actually most insurance companies will not cover the lens that I got, which is an actual trifocal lens. So like every life changing decision, I made it in about 10 minutes and decided to just go forward with it and trust the fact that the, good Lord's going to decide whether this is in my cards or not, you know, and, you know, and the older you get, the more you realize that, you know, you don't have as much control as you think. So I made the appointment, did it. And what he did is he put a a trifocal lens in my eyes. So it gives me a focal length at 18 inches and one somewhere around 30 inches and one for distance. So now that muscle that was in there focusing, um, for, to allow me to see my pin, now no longer has to. The only negative is because of those concentric rings in that, if I get the fibers too bright, I do see a ring around them. So then I have to just, on my hunting bows, I have to um, basically doctor the pins up and, you know, put tape over the fibers and stuff and just allow light in as I need it. So if you control the light to your fibers, it's actually a very, very manageable system. And it works very, very well. And that's about the only negative I can come up with. Other than in bright sunlight, I do get some glare. And if some of you guys see me at tournaments with this hat with the flaps on the side of it, that's what I'm trying to do is keep that glare out of my eye uh, because it does kind of create a haze around around things. But as a rule, I do it again in a heartbeat because I see my pin better, especially with a target scope and a clarifier. I see it better than I did when I was... 16 when i started i mean of course we didn't have that stuff back then but uh, it's phenomenal what i can see i mean i can put diff- any different clarifier in i want now and i can see my pen and 
that being said, the higher power clarifiers do wash the pin out and make it look smaller or more opaque. Um, but I feel like I got a new lease on life. And now this surgery, just to sort of dumb it down, it is removing and replacing the front of your eye, the lens of your eye, correct? No, no, no. They oh. cut a they cut a slit in the side of your eye. They put a tube in. They put a they put a uh, a liquid in there or something that dissolves your actual lens. Okay. Then they suck the lens out, and then through that same tube, they put in a fake lens. Okay. And the fake lens is just has fingers on it, and it goes out there, and it fits back against the the pocket that you know your lens is in. It's it's cataract surgery. They do it every day. Mm-hmm. So um, it, some people have different complications, and they can go back in and clean it up with a laser, and they can, you know. But, but as a rule, I mean, it's these guys like a hoops vision where I had mine done in Utah. I mean, they did Tiger Woods' eyes, so they're really good at it. You know, they they do the surgery every every Monday, so and it it doesn't take very long. You know, I think I was in there thirty minutes to an hour. You got to kind of you know take it easy on your eye and no like sharp jarring. You know, for a couple of weeks until that lens kind of bonds itself to the back of the the pocket where your, your, your old lens was at, but really fairly trouble-free. Yeah, I I didn't feel like it. It's an artificial lens then that, like you said, it gives you three focal points that do, do those change or is that kind of the same for everybody? Well, I mean, you could, you know, there's lots of things that you could do. Um, you know, you could put a contact or you could have LASIK or a contact in your left eye that made it perfectly sharp at distance, but that only works with both eyes open. And then you could make them, you know, they could correct your right eye to see your pin perfectly, but then you wouldn't see nothing at distance. So you'd have this real imbalance. And the reason I did what I did is because I still judge yardage in, in, in uh, ASA and IBO and I kind of wanted to keep it the same. But if I look and close my right eye right now, my left eye is crystal clear. Okay. That being said, if I looked at my sight, my pins would look like crap. <laughs> my right eye has a glare on it. You know, it has a little bit of a, a haze to it. If I if I make a hole with my like my hand and look through it, it cuts a lot of that glare out. Okay, it sharpens everything up a little bit. But but when I look at an animal and I judge yardage, I I still see the vision clear with both eyes open and get that depth perception with both eyes open, and then I have that that implant in my right eye for helping me aim. So you, you might consider only doing, you know, your aiming eye, unless you have cataracts and you're in both eyes and you got to fix them both. Sure. And in that case, you might want to do a lens in the left eye that doesn't have the rings. Sure. And these you artificial know. lenses, do they basically stay good forever or are you going to yep. like, lose focus? The doctor said, they, yeah, you said they will stay good forever. Wow. It's pretty amazing what they can do. And in another 20 years, I'll probably be able to do way more. <laughs> but you need it now. You're winning now. Yeah. Now is why you need it. It's the American way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems to have done wonders for you. I mean, you're still winning everything you can. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see as sharp on a 3D target aiming as I used to, but I see good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I just have to shoot them slightly different, you know? Yeah. Well, you're, you're making nice. adjustments. Yeah. You know, if I could look through with my left eye, then I could see them all sharp as, you know, all the lines sharp. I could probably see a lot of the, a lot of the rings on the animals and stuff, but then I wouldn't be able to see my pin to aim with. So 
it's always just kind of a trade-off. I mean, guys used to talk about verifiers, you know, especially archery had verifiers where, you know, you put a verifier and it allows you to see your pin, but it conversely, it also starts to fuzz the target on you. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no perfect world. No, there's not, especially not over 50. Yep. <laughs> well, thank they you. Thank get- you. Thanks for telling us about your, your optics journey. And do you still use, I see, I think I've seen you on some stuff. Do you still use readers? Oh yes. I mean, for real close stuff, you know, again, my first focal length is 18 inches. So I can okay. look at my computer. I hold my phone out at arm's length. I can, I mean, not arm's length, but just 18 inches. I can see it pretty good. Yeah. You know, but when I we're looking test at that. I, sight tape takes readers. Yeah, I can I can manage my sight tape, but to see the fine pointer on my my indicator pin, I I prefer to have a two and a half reader. Nice, nice. Well, thank or if you. I want to like check my knocks for cracks, I mean, I want that up closer to my eye, and I, you know, I need a reader to be able to focus it. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for telling us about your optics journey. I found it amazing and interesting because as we all get older. We're trying to make sure that we don't lose it. I mean, plenty of people have probably given up archery because they just can't see it, right? But there's options sure. out there. Well, good thing, you know, when you're shooting an animal, it's just up behind the leg, center of the body. <laughs> well, thanks again, Tim. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. Are, are you gonna, nope, at some point, might just start shooting a recurve with no sights. Then what? <laughs> then it's all natural instinct, right? I just, I just ordered one last week, so... <laughs> this is going to be like a bear bow or or with sights oh i've got a few bear bow bows i mean no it's just a hunting recurve <laughs> right on well that will definitely make you get a lot closer to it no more hundred yard shots with that probably no no that'll have to shoot start shooting does and spikes <laughs> well this weekend <laughs> you're, da- you're down in arizona shooting the arizona cup right yeah i wish you the very best yeah. of luck well i appreciate it Thank you for your time, Tim. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. You got it. Have a great day. Tim Gillingham. So a side issue, a pet peeve of mine is when I see folks wearing glasses and they're just gunked up and dirty and they haven't cleaned them in forever. I hate that. What do you recommend? I mean, there's a million things out there, but what as an optician and somebody that makes high-end glasses for shooting, what's your recommended procedure or stuff to clean them with? Uh, properly literally is you can't imagine how much if you hate it <laughs> imagine imagine me when i have to touch it <laughs> <laughs> and there's like literally we call it um face cheese <laughs> it's there's a there's i mean anybody in the optical industry if you say face cheese it's almost like talking to some someone from tennessee and saying the word moist <laughs> They have the they have the same reaction. Um, it's dude, it's grody. Um, look, clean your glasses every day. Um, if if you don't have good lens cleaner, um, a couple of drops of like dish soap or hand soap on your fingertips, and some warm water. Right, like get your glasses all sudsy, mm-hmm. wash them up with your hands, and rinse them under the water and you know, a clean, soft cloth, like an old t-shirt or a really high quality paper towel or something like that, that works great. And and the thing is, is right, like all the oils, like if, if you get all hot and sweaty, right, and your body's all hot and sweaty, your glasses are picking that up. So 
So wash them. Get that crap off of there. Your lenses will last longer. Your frames will last longer. And if you work in a really, really, really rough environment, buy a super soft toothbrush and just give them a little bit of a scrub around the nose pads. You don't have to get aggressive. Just a little tiny bit to get the bits and pieces out of there. And 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 your optician will love you. And Marty won't judge you. <laughs> I'm officially going to rename this episode Face Cheese and see how many people listen in there to get it. <laughs> Dude, I've Ugh. I've had oh my god, I've had I've had nose pads pop in my fingers because there's so much oil from the skin in there, and it's. <laughs> I'm sure you have stories, Chuck. I'm sure you have stories. It, none of them are good. No, none of them are good. But you're you were talking about the materials and wanting to have good quality materials and everything made me think of something which is somewhat related and that's um you know there's some folks that choose to shoot with uh custom-made archery sunglasses of various sorts and this and that yeah not yep. sure what those high-end ones are made out of but i would presume if you're going to be investing in that you want to make sure that they're also of a very good material and what is your recommendation for colors because there seems to be a, a ton of colors without a really a lot of description as to what they sort of achieve for the average person well, there, it, it all depends, you know, the thing you have to remember about colors and, and tinted lenses is ideally they work like filters, right? So um, what, what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to flatten the background and make it look dull so that your target stands out? Or, or are you trying to enhance the target? Now, it sounds like the same thing, but they're slightly different. Mm -hmm. Um, in the 3D world, historically, you're trying to kind of flatten the environment so that the target looks more pristine, right? So that the details, the body lines, the, the rings, um, the paint job, whatever it is you're using to judge the animal kind of stands out a little bit better. Um, now, we have to be somewhat careful with that because if you flatten it too much, now it gets a little hard to judge, right? Now your ground kind of doesn't have the same definition that you wanted it to have before. So with, with tinted lenses, I tread very carefully, um, especially in the 3D world, uh, because a lot of times you're in a low light or a shaded or shadowed environment to begin with. Um, and anytime you put a tinted or darkened lens in front of your eye, you're now limiting the light that's making it to your eye, right? It's you're literally cutting it down. So are you giving yourself the best opportunity to see as much as you can? So some guys will use a, a lightly shaded yellow lens or an amber lens, which has a little more browns or a little more orange to it. Um, and it helps with definition and things like this. Um, if you've got cataracts, that can actually help. Um, that can give you that can give you some contrast that you're trying that you're trying to pick up or that you're missing. So there, there are times when it's helpful, but, but I always go very light, if anything at all, right? Mm -hmm. 
And and the important aspect, the other important aspect to that is if you put them on, leave them on. Right. Don't go back and forth. Don't go back and forth. Um, there's it, it takes the brain several minutes to recalibrate. Right. So if you're going on, off, on, off, on, off, it never fully calibrates to the visual environment that you're in. And so it's always kind of guessing and you'll, unless you're really, really used to it or you're shooting something that's in a very familiar territory or something like that, then it's a little bit harder for you to see some of the detail you might be wanting to see. Sure. Um, the, the high end stuff like Pila, um, Pila makes some incredible filters. They are not just a piece of plastic put in a color bath to make them dark Mm -hmm. they're they're actually filtering very specific wavelengths of light um very certain very very narrow color bands so when you put on a certain lens yellow literally looks like it's three-dimensional it it looks like it's off the surface of the target or if you're in, in you're in redding, um, the orange dots look like they're backlit. They actually look like they're fluorescing. Um, and that's because the of the filtering system that they're using to allow that wavelength of light to just flood through the system. Um, same thing when you go to their, you know, their their darker lenses for trap and skeet and things like that. Um, those lenses are turning a a bright blue sky into a really dark gray, but the orange bird just looks like it's a beacon. So that's a, that's a different type of process. It works extremely well, um, but it's rarely available in prescription that I should, I should rephrase that it's available in prescription, but the prescription models that they offer are very limited. Mm -hmm. So as, as an archer, you have to be willing to work around or, or accept some certain things. Um, but they, they do work really, really well. Nice. Um, but that, that's a true filtering system. Um, but in, in most of your eyeglass stores, they're just going to have tints. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, keep them really light, 5 10%, maybe 15% density at most. Um, we really want to get as much light coming through the system as possible. So not your sunglasses for your car. No, no. Now I see guys that can do that. Um, they'll put their sunglasses on and they'll walk target, 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 and then they'll take their sunglasses off. And, you know, you got to give yourself a minute for your pupils to recalibrate. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the pupil, when, when it, it's a defense mechanism, right? So in, in bright sunlight, when you take your glasses off in bright sunlight, your pupil will clamp down really quickly. But when you put your sunglasses on, it can take as long as 20 minutes for your pupil to open back up. It's a very slow process. So if you're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth really quickly, your, your eyes are working really hard. And 
And it's almost one of those things where you, you would almost prefer not to do it if you're looking for consistency during the day. Sure. Fatigue in the eye and everything else. Yep. Yep. And it's, it, in rare cases, uh, you can have something called an ocular spasm, um, where the eye just kind of throws in the towel and says, yeah, I'm, I'm freaking done for a couple hours. You, you drive the bus. I'm, I'm done. Yikes. And then nothing. And yeah, and then nothing ever, you can function, but nothing's crystal clear. It's yeah. just like, yeah, whatever, dude. Yeah. I got, I got nothing for you for a while. Stop doing that to me. Well, that, and that <laughs> kind of segues into the next question I had for you because vision is really a product of the brain, right? And how, how humans yep. interpret vision through their eyes and the, the, the brain does all sorts of magic with it. Tell us a little bit more about that and how it interplays with, with vision, vision health, glasses, stuff like that. Tell us a little bit more because you, you, you know quite a bit about the brain and vision interaction. Yeah, so vision is learned, right? You can, you can teach yourself to do things visually or see things visually. Um, and, and so if, if you... If you think about how vision works, right? So if I put something in the corner on a table in your house and I leave it there for six months and you walk by it every single day, 10 times a day, and then I remove it um, and I ask you, hey, is that, is that picture of your mom over there on the table? Yep, it's right there. Nope. I took that out of there two weeks ago. Your your brain has, or one of the theories is that your brain imprints common things because there's such a flood of information that there's no way it can process the same scene every single time it sees it. Sure. So it takes it takes it's it's like file storage in a in a computer. It takes big pieces that it recognizes and says, yep, that's that's what we got here today. And everything's the same as it was. Um, and then when you change it, it has to remap that, right? So it, it learns or it'll tell you, yeah, that was there. No, I don't think it was. Or how many times have you gotten to work and, you know, hey, did you see that thing on the side of the road? I don't even know what you're talking about. Dude, it was a fire engine. You didn't see it? No, I didn't see it. Because your your brain's just on autopilot. It's just doing its thing. This is the road I go down every day. Never saw the fire engine. So it vision is is very much learned and it's very much habitual. Which is how some of the best archers in the world can judge yardage so well because they're so used to seeing an animal at a given distance, their brain knows, all right, if it's at 48 yards, it looks like this. If it's at 43 yards, it looks like this. If it's at 50 yards, it looks like this. And when you do that 100,000 times, you, your brain has an incredible library of images to go, yep, that's the one. Looks just like that. And and so that's that's how these guys can, can call a number down to a half a yard because visually they have that that file that file cabinet to call on sure um so with with the rest of us um we have to work at it a little bit more so 
so how do we do that how do we how do we keep that refreshed and and you'll see guys who will blink a whole lot uh, i don't know if you're seeing some of the there's, there's some guys on the tour that'll blink two and three and four and five times during the shot process trying to reset that image and trying to get that as clear as they can right so those are some of the, the things that you can do to to make that a little bit better i don't know if i answered that the right way but yeah i don't know okay i like blinking um you're right um <laughs> feels good in the middle of a shot right so so then how can you know how can we control that so some people will say just just stare at the target until it goes off right well if you if you hold that stare and you don't blink you can actually watch your vision get dim Mm -hmm. right and and that's the oxygen leaving the eye as it's as it's running out of air right so your deep breath before you know it gives you a lot of oxygen into the system and things like this gets the body good and flush you blink a few times and it kind of refreshes things if you're just staring 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 and holding your breath it'll dim down because the 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 eyeball is running out of blood running out of oxygen in the back end and it cannot process anymore cannot process through the brain everything kind of slows down so how you know we can train ourselves to control that to a certain extent whether that be through breathing or being properly hydrated or blinking right there's there's different things that you can do to make those things better i can't believe how many people i see when they're shooting they don't drink water i always have a bottle of water because i'm old and i drink water and uh you know when you see other folks it's it amazes me how many people are not drinking water before a shoot during a shoot after a shoot whatever but that yeah is, that is the american way <laughs> Yeah, we're such health freaks, you know. Though, you know, there's there's a two liter bottle of Mountain Dew sitting over there, but God, God forbid, you got a bottle of water handy. Um, but yeah, bottles of water. I mean, you should be drinking. I, I the, the the they whoever they is. I, I would like to meet they one of these days. Um, they say you're supposed to drink what half your body weight in ounces of water a day, mm-hmm. which I think if most of us did that, um, we would run out of water. Um, but yeah, drinking a lot of water, especially when you're doing 3d shoots in the South or, you know, target type shots, you know, USA archery, you know, world archery type events where you're just, standing in the blistering sun all day man you you have to hydrate and you can't you can't start it that morning right you know you've got to start hydrating you know this you've got to start hydrating a couple days in advance to get your body where it needs to be you don't want to change anything when you're competing it needs to be a, a natural progression of what you're already used to yep and if you do those things your eyes will be so much happier and so much healthier yeah. and 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 your shooting will be so much better. See the one of the tenets that I live by when it comes to optics is um, the visual runs the shot process a hundred percent without any question. 
if your visual isn't good and isn't comfortable, you can shoot the arrow, but you will not comfortably shoot the arrow. Mm -hmm. You'll either force feed it or you'll punch it or you'll roll through the release or rip through it with your fingers or, or whatever. But if the visual isn't comfortable, then the shot will not be comfortable. So how do we make that? How do we make that comfortable? Well, do we do we have a really great pair of shooting glasses, or you know, a really good scope and a really good peep setup, or or a clarifier setup, or an aiming reference? You know, what does it take? And that's that's different for every archer. Um, you know, like Jesse Broadwater has a has a ring on his lens. Um, he also sometimes has a fiber through the middle of his lens. Uh, he used to shoot a frosted lens, which the whole outside of the lens was opaque and just the, just the very center of it was, was clear. Um, so, you know, when you, when you have a guy that lives at that level um, of success and you, and you look at the different ways he sets things up, it should tell you as an archer that you should explore different ways to make your brain comfortable, mm -hmm. right? To make the visual comfortable so that the shot goes off in a timely fashion and it, and it feels okay for your brain to, to fire it. Because it, mentally, we can, we can only consciously do one thing at a time. Right. Right. Subconsciously though, on autopilot, our body can do thousands of things at a time. Sure. So if, if consciously I'm aiming, how can I consciously go, oh, I like the way that looks, fire. You can't. You had to come off of the aim to tell yourself that you like the way it looked, to tell yourself to fire the release. I, I don't believe you can. I don't. I, I think you can do one or the other. Sure. So you, you're either consciously firing the bow or you're consciously aiming the bow. And my preference is to consciously aim the bow and let the shot happen, which means that visual has to be comfortable. And when your brain goes, yep, I like that, it'll, it'll just send the signal, bang, and it goes off. See, and you don't have to. Sorry, sorry, I was going to say, we just need to get you in a debate now with Joel Turner. Because he would no, disagree with you. He would disagree with me. He would disagree with me. And I've listened <laughs> to Joel's stuff, and I, I, his is one conscious stream, but it's all connected. It is. There's no, there's no simple answer, unfortunately, also, Chuck, because if there was one simple answer and it was the actual rule to the, to the question, then everybody would do it and everybody would shoot perfectly. And that still hasn't happened yet since, since the invention of archery. So we're still looking. That, that is true. I mean, you know, <laughs> Tim Gillingham would argue my point. Kyle Douglas would argue my point. Um, several, very, several archers who are way more successful than me would argue my point that you can't do two things at once. Mm -hmm. But I, I honestly believe that Tim and Kyle, um, 
are doing a lot more subconsciously than they realize. Mm. Probably because, I, and that's, that's why it's subconscious, right? They don't really realize yeah. they're, doing it, they're doing it. That's why they're good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think there's a lot more subconsciously there. Um, Tim, I don't call, I don't, I don't even list Tim as a puncher. Tim is a command shooter. Tim wouldn't um, call himself that either. <laughs> what a puncher. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. No, I think Tim's a command shooter. I think Kyle is as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's several guys that are very, very, very successful at command shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how they can make that work, but they've, they can make it work on some days. Yeah. You know, and obviously those guys are, are two professional archers that are at the, the peak of the game. And, you know, I think there's a difference between, I've, I've always thought through my journey of, of archery that when you start getting okay, there's a difference between hitting an X and not missing the X. And that's the real mm-hmm. difference is if you can control your process to the point where under pressure, you're just not missing and you can continue to, to do your routine and make it work for you. That's where you need to get. It's, you know, the process of actually hitting the X a few times. That's, that's readily achievable. It's not missing anymore. That's where you got to get to. That's, that's, that's the difference between all of us and them. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) for sure. But I wanted to get back to, so, you know, shooting sports, vision and acuity and all that stuff is actually a much bigger conversation than just this. And in fact, you're part of an association that's the International Sports Vision Association. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that group and what they're up to. Um, that group uh, is a collective of some of the best minds in sports and sports vision. Um, the, the shooting sports aspect of it is a very, very small part of what they do. Um, but it is, it's in their wheelhouse. Um, they focus a lot on, uh, brain, brain injury, concussion, visual training, right? So how do you teach, uh, how do you teach a wide receiver to be running at full tilt? and look over his shoulder and somehow see this ball dropping in from the the heavens and catch it right how do you how do you teach a guy to to see that better to see it more effectively to uh respond to visual cues and things like that um how do you overcome certain uh, maybe color issues or things like that, that you're, that you're trying to defeat or, or train for, you know, whether it be trap and ski or something like that, where you're trying to lead the bird and, and, you know, how do you make that, that visual, visual, a visual, physical connection? How does it actually work? What's the timing of it? Um, those kinds of things. So there's, there's some really brilliant people, um, way smarter than me. A lot of PhDs in there. Um, I do not have a PhD. I have a PD stick, which measures your eyes, but I don't have a PhD. Um, 
but I do get to uh, I do get to watch their videos and and learn from them and and um, they did ask me to write an article for them on the shooting sports and archery and how to make glasses and things like that, which I thought was pretty cool. For so sure, for sure. And if people want to sort of check out some of the, there's a lot of data, a lot of good nerd stuff. If you want to get into it, it's uh, sportsvision.pro is their website. I will take your word for it. I forgot about looking that up. Uh-huh. I Googled um, it. I found it. <laughs> yeah. And one of the cool things is, is they, they have a list of doctors regionally um, that specialize in that kind of stuff. So depending on where you are in the nation, you can, you can, you know, find a doctor near me kind of a thing and, and have a conversation with somebody that gets it. Um, somebody that specializes in sports vision in their practice so that when you walk in, they don't look at you and go, yeah, I, I got no idea. Now you might have to drive a little way. You might have to pay a little more, but you'll be dealing with somebody who talks your language and, and understands where you're coming from. So that that's, that's probably the biggest asset in that, in that group. And actually, you know, there's a few doctors in the archery community um, that you may not even realize. Um, sure. Um, I, I was just talking to a guy the other day. He's at, um, is it, I think it's Griffiths, um, big, huge air base in the Dakotas. Hmm. Which one is that? I, I think that's it. Um, there's North and South Chuck, the Dakotas. Yeah, but there's only, <laughs> there's, there's only one really big giant air base there. Oh, um, no. and I, I, yeah, I just off the top of my head, can't remember which one it is. Um, but yeah, I was talking to that guy. And so he's an optometrist. He works with all the, the air force people there. Um, but he's also really into archery and, and hunting and all that other stuff. So we had a really great chat the other day online. Nice. Um, there's another guy, uh, not too far from Chicago. Chicago. His name is Marty Matus, M-A-T-U-S. Um, his daughter is actually on the um, on the red team, the regional uh, excellence development team from uh, USA Archery. Oh, nice. um, yeah, so she's she's an up and coming all star in the compound world. So he gets it. He hunts. He shoots. He has a bow, and his daughter's an all star. So. You know, depending on where you are in the country, you can, you know, Facebook is a great tool. You can jump out there and go, hey, anybody know an eye doctor near me that knows a thing or two about a thing or two? Right. Um, you know, one of the things I forgot to touch on earlier was contact lenses. Can okay. we can we talk about that real quick? Yeah. I'm wearing t- some right now. Let's talk about them. Cool. So contact lenses, if you have a correction, are by far and away my favorite way to fix things right and the reason why is if you're wearing glasses glasses and you'll know this if you're an eyeglass wearer glasses tend to flatten the world they tend to they tend to take out that third dimension of depth Mm -hmm. right so you can look across the street and you go yep there's a street a curb a sidewalk a picket fence some grass and a house but i can't tell you how much grass is in between the picket fence and the house because it, it flattens that image, right? Mm-hmm. You can see it all, but it's flatter. There's no depth. Contact contact lenses, on the other hand, 
give you back that third dimension. It's the closest thing to natural vision you can do. So always, always, always try to get contacts if you can. Um, some corrections we can't work with. Most corrections we can. Sure. Um, the follow-up statement to that is if you can afford it, get daily disposables. In other words, you wear it, you put it in in the morning, at night, you take it out, you throw it away. I was just going to ask I like you what them. your preference was, dailies or reusables. I like dailies because they're thinner, they're lighter, they have a much, much higher oxygen transmissibility. Ah. Um, so the cornea stays healthier and happier. Um, and you don't have the muss and the fuss of having to carry around solutions and cases and all that other crap. So here's one of the cool things about the surface of the eye. The cornea, which is the clear part that's over your pupil, there are no blood vessels there. There's also no nerve endings right there either. But there, there's no blood vessels in the cornea, right? The only way the cornea gets oxygen is through absorption. And it absorbs oxygen through the tear layer, right? And the tear layer in the human eye is extremely complex. The more you blink, the better the tear layer. The, the tear layer allows the cornea to absorb oxygen, right? Mm -hmm. So in a happy, healthy eye, uh, you blink, there's a little bit of tears there. The tears soak up the oxygen. They transmit the oxygen to the cornea. The cornea stays happy and healthy, right? So where do we run into trouble? Well, I have to wear contact lenses. Okay, well, if you wear a two-week or a monthly disposable, there's, there's something called DK value. And it's a technical term for how much oxygen moves through that material to the cornea. Uh, the better the DK, the more the oxygen the eye gets. And daily disposables, by far and away, have the highest DK values on the planet. So I'm a fan because it keeps the cornea breathing. When the cornea doesn't get enough oxygen, it becomes hypoxic or starved for oxygen. When it becomes hypoxic, it swells mm -hmm. because the cornea is a refractive part of the eye. In other words, it bends light. When it swells, it changes the curve. Mm -hmm. When you change the curve, you change the prescription. So when your eyes dry out, you don't see as well as you did when your eyes were happy and healthy and moist. And your vision's literally changing. Yep. Literally changing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So this is why it's important to wear the proper lens with the proper fit and the proper power and to keep the eye blinking and happy and healthy. Now, where most people notice this actually is computer use. This is like the telltale sign. Hmm. Uh, a lot of people who stare at a computer, when you stare at a computer screen, your blink rate drops to about half which means you're not getting the tear layer that you want to get, which means your eye is starving for oxygen. 
So at the end of a two or three or four hour session or an all day session staring at the computer, you wonder why your eyes burn and it's hard to see and they want to slam shut and you're exhausted. Yeah. It's, be, it's because your prescription has changed and you can't see as well as you could. And your eye internally is trying to accommodate for it. There's a, there's a lens behind the pupil and the eye is trying to structurally bend that lens so that you can see better. And it just fatigues the entire system and blows it out. So what's the trick for that? How do you get around it? Um, well, we all quit our day jobs. We <laughs> moved to Cabo. Uh, we moved to Cabo or the Keys and we shoot our bows and we say the hell of it. Um, <clears throat> if that's not possible, um, put a post-it note on the corner of your computer screen and write the word blink on it and subliminally you'll blink more. Funny. It's, it's incredible how simple it is. It is. So that brings up another interesting thought I had, and that is stress. Anytime yep. I've been in a stressful shoot situation wearing contacts, my eyes universally dry up and I have to use massive amounts of eye drops. Is that a thing where your your stress level is sucking the moisture out of there? And I don't I typically don't wear dailies, but I think I'm going to during competitions now for sure. Yeah, it's just like everything else in your body, right? Your heart rate elevates, um, your muscles tense up. Um the fast twitch motor kind of starts to kick in a little bit. The fight or flight thing starts to kick in and yeah, it, it affects your eyes almost immediately. Um, here's the thing with eye drops though. You want to be really, really careful with that. So eye drops, if it's like Visine or murine and it says gets the red out. <laughs> That's um, not an eye drop, right? Yeah. Um, Let's not use those because if it, if it gets the red out, <laughs> the reason your eye is red is because it's screaming for oxygen and your body is pumping the little tiny capillaries in the eye full of blood to get some more blood to the surface of the eye because it's really starving. And then you put in these eye drops that say gets the red out and you're like, oh, that's awesome. My eyes are nice and bright white again. Yeah, because it's a vasorestrictor. It just shut down all the blood vessels. Right. It stops the blood going there. Guess what? Your eye still wants the blood. <laughs> <laughs> so so for everybody who's listening, sends, those, aren't, those aren't lubricating eye drops. That's just for hangovers and, and bad nights gone yeah, awry. Right. You don't really want yeah. to use those in shooting. No, you no, you don't. That's just to keep the boss off your back. <laughs> so, which I, I guess is less of a thing these days. <laughs> um, so, lubricating eye drops work fabulously. Um, if you're using them a lot, try to get the preservative-free ones <laughs> um, because the there's there's two types. There's there's ones that have preservatives so that you take the cap off, you put a couple of drops in, you put the cap back on. You can put it on the shelf. Six months later, it's still good. You can use those drops again. The preservative-free ones are sterile. They're sealed. They're single-use. You put a couple of drops in, you throw it away, right? Is that the ones in those little, like, thin, clear plastic tubes that you just squeeze a little bit and then chuck? Yeah, they look like little pipettes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep, those are the preservative-free ones, and if you're going to use eye drops a lot, use those. Okay. Um, 
I ideally, if you can find just some saline, mm-hmm. that's even better. Yeah. Um, because it's now it's just saline, right? It's it's basically it's the closest thing to natural tears as you can get. Um, or a cool compress, like walk into the bathroom, take a paper towel, run it under cold water, close your eyes and just lay it on there for a few minutes. That helps a ton. It cools the eyes down. It gets some moisture back into the area, keeps the eyes really happy and healthy. Um, but, but ultimately going to a daily disposable is going to be a little more comfortable. If, if you can get, um, a lens called daily total one, get that. That's it's a, it's a lens made by Alcon. Um, and I've tested them all, right? Sure. So Acuvuse, Bausch and Lomb's, Alcon's, all of them. So my, my personal opinion is that the Bausch and Lomb daily disposables are super uncomfortable. Uh, the Cooper vision daily disposables are more comfortable. Um, but I don't like the way the, the edge of the lens feels. Sure. Um, AccuView is a really, really, really popular one. Um, but I can actually see the, I can see the matrix of the edge of the lens. So, um, if you imagine a contact lens, uh, for lack of a better description, um, if you looked at it, under a microscope and kind of look like a giant gauze pad. Sure. Right? It's, it's layers. It's a, yeah, it's a crosshatch pattern. Um, when you, when you're in this shooting position and you roll your eye all the way over to the edge, the contact lens will actually stop when it gets to the edge of your eyelids and your eyeball will rotate underneath it. Mm-hmm. The lens goes to and, the side of your eye. But the lens stops and your eye keeps moving. Right. And so you're pushing your lens off your eye, right? Yeah. yeah. Now you're, you're, you're out of what we call the optic zone. Um, and the optics aren't as good because there's really, you know, a contact lens is like 14 millimeters in diameter and only like the center eight or 10 millimeters is really any good. Mm. Um, so when you get off to the edge, it's really shitty. So when your eye rolls to the edge of the lens, personally, I can see it. I'm like, man, why did that? If I look straight ahead, it's really clear. But if I look way off to the side, it gets a little funky. Mm -hmm. So the Alcon lens doesn't do that. I don't know why. It has a wider optic zone. I don't know. There's there's some kind of magic mystery in, in the way that that lens is constructed that I don't see that. I don't notice that. It's well, all that matters is it works, right? It works really, really good. And I have switched a ton of archers into that lens hmm. and they've all called me and go, dude, that was the best thing ever. Nice. So I'm not the only one saying, it. Oh, I love it. So if you, if you can get those now there is prescription limitations. So not everybody can wear them, but if you can get something made by Alcon, you'll be way happier. Well, you're the expert. You're the one that's tested it all. That's good to know. Yeah. So let's yep. talk about it. Let's say you're a, you're archery fella or lady and you say, you know what? Chuck Cooley is the guy that I want to get a pair of eyeglasses made just for shooting. How would they go about that? How, how would somebody be like, okay, I want to contact Chuck and I want to get a good set of glasses going. Can, can they do that? Uh, do they have to come to New York or 
What's that process? No, no, they can they can mail a small stack of unmarked bills <laughs> or uh, a ca- uh, a check written out to cash. You used uh, to take Bitcoin, probably not anymore. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's a good idea right now. <laughs> it it hasn't been trending. Mm, wrong way, right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, so my, you can, you can contact me on Facebook, um, through Chuck Cooley Archer. Um, that's my professional page. You can contact me there. I'm more than happy to answer your questions. Um, you can call my eyeglass store. Um, it's called classic optical. Um, and it's in Ithaca, New York, and you can call or text. And that phone number is 607. 607- Two seven three, one two three four. That's Classic Optical in Ithaca, New York. Um, or, or you can, you know, like I say, you can message me or text me um, through my through my archery page, um, and and I'm I'll be more than happy to to help you out. Now, what I'll ask you for when you reach out to me is I'll say, hey, look, I need a copy of your prescription first and foremost. I got to have the numbers, right? So I, so I know what I'm dealing with. Then I'm going to need something called a PD, which is a pupillary distance. Um, and that's the distance between your eyes. Now, sometimes your doctor will give you that. Sometimes your doctor will not give you that. If they don't give you that, I can give you a link to a couple of apps that you can use on your phone. Um, that will take those measurements for me. Um, and you know, you screenshot it and you send it to me and, and I can, I can make a pair of glasses. You can send me an existing frame that you've got that you like that works. Um, I, I, and when I tell you, I do this four or five times a week, it's, I'm not even joking. Um, I, I, I'm almost every day I'm receiving and mailing glasses to, every corner of the country, uh, for people. So it's a very common thing. It's a very easy thing. It's, uh, you can feel very comfortable with it that, you know, it's, it's going to work. Um, I don't do any insurance at all for shooting glasses. Um, that said, I also don't gouge people. You know, I look at it's a very fair priced system. So, but we'll get together on the phone. I, I prefer to have a phone chat versus just texting because i i learn a lot more about you or the you, you you know your situation what you're struggling with um what your scope setup is what your peep setup is what what you're trying to accomplish what we what the expectations would be and things like that you know is this is this really gonna is this gonna fix it or not fix it so um so yeah, so we'll set up a time and I'll we'll have a chat and it's generally 20 30 minutes and it's a piece of cake and it's it's done and over with. Technology, it's an amazing thing. Couldn't have done that 20 yeah. years ago, right? No, not very easily at all. It's it's really yeah, it's a lot easier now than it used to be. That's awesome. A lot more streamlined. Yeah. Well, hopefully there's some archers out there that'll take advantage of it because it is helpful and seeing the target is what it is all about. But I think if anybody took anything away that wears glasses or contacts or whatever, me personally, the the daily contacts is going to be, I think, a game changer for competing and shooting. I'm going to try that immediately. 
Uh, but if I were to wear glasses, I think that would be on my bucket list as well to get right away. Yeah, that and a big bottle of water. Um, <laughs> I got that covered. <laughs> yeah, and you know, pay attention to those things. It's there's there's simple little things that you can do that make your shooting more enjoyable. Um, and and it's it's none of them are very complicated or very expensive. So. All we got to do is the right things, Chuck, but us Americans are excellent at not doing that. Right. <laughs> Why? What do you mean? I can't. Where's my participation ribbon? <laughs> yeah. God, it'd be great if we stopped making those. Anyway, Chuck, it is a delight to talk to you, my friend. I always love our, our chats going in deep for stuff that is very, you know, niche and, and interesting. But for those people that actually want to know more about it, it's not, you know, talked about in depth as much as we do. So I really enjoy chatting with you and, and you taking the time to tell us more about it all. Man, I, I really appreciate it as well. And I know this one went long just like the last one did, but uh, it seems like it just blows right by and all of a sudden, like, wow, damn. Um, we talked about a lot. So yeah, go back, listen to this a couple of times, pull out some nuggets, give me a call. Um, honestly, if, you're, if your doctor wants to call me, um, or your optician, your local optician wants to call me. Um, I'm available and I'll, I'll talk to them at, at, at any time, you know, and, and reassure them, you know, I'm not just some fly by night dude, you know, I've got 25 years in the archery industry, 15 years on the pro line, 35 years as a licensed optician. I own my own practice. I'm not trying to steal business. Hell, if you want to buy glasses from your local optician, I will tell your local optician how to do it, right? So it's it's not just about buying from me. I mean, yes, you can, and I would love that, and I, and I will happily do that for you. But if you have a relationship with a local person that you want to do business with, I will do everything I can to make that successful for you. So, um, yeah, so feel free to reach out or have them reach out, and I'll give them all the guidance they, they want or need. Yeah, that's really generous of you. I would just urge people to think about, you know, your ordinary optician probably doesn't shoot a bow and probably hasn't competed at the professional level. Whereas we have a Chuck Cooley that, frankly, your life kind of revolves around archery and doing things for archers. And so if I was going to get a pair made, I would think about getting them made by a guy that is a professional archer, has shot forever, and really has <laughs> transformed from just being a good old-fashioned optician to an archer slash optician. Yeah. Yeah. I would certainly appreciate that myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll send everybody we can to you, Chuck. I appreciate your time as always. And you got some events coming up soon. So I wish you the best of luck at those. Yeah, man. Thanks very much. I really appreciate that. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be an exciting time. Cool. Well, as always, we got all the info. We'll leave other contact information for Chuck Cooley in the Chuck in the, uh, um, episode notes. That's what those are called. <laughs> the show notes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, email is chuckcooley at gmail.com perfect man appreciate it get some sleep got some travel coming up travel safe my friend well thanks buddy I really appreciate the call and you have a great night you too thanks Chuck see ya see ya